Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6, 9-13 Tonight we're continuing our series, How to Pray. And throughout this series, my goal is for us to keep prayer simple, to keep it real, and to keep it up. So for this reason, I'm following uh, Pete Gregg's acronym, PRAY, which is simply pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. So last week we looked at how and why we can pause, because pausing is about letting go of our own personal agendas, our long list of wants and desires, and taking a moment to simply focus on the wonder of who God is. So now that we've taken a moment to pause, that we've leaned into that and practiced that this week, I want us to look at what it means and looks like to rejoice this week and how we can implement this into our prayer life. Now, I'll admit that rejoicing comes a little bit easier and more naturally than pausing. And that's because I believe we are hardwired for worship and wonder. That's how we're designed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe anyone has gone out into their backyard, looked up at the night sky, and just been blown away by the stars and said, man, I am awesome. <laughs> like, seriously, it just, it doesn't happen. So I believe this next step is an important part of our prayers, rejoicing, because after we've paused, rejoicing helps us take a moment to take in and appreciate and articulate our worship back to God. Now, it might not always be through language. Sometimes it's just our, our bodies and our souls singing to God. But it's just taking that moment to pause, but then appreciate and just simply worship God for who he is before going on and asking for more. So the Lord's Prayer, which we started off with, starts with, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, hallowed isn't a word we use very often. You probably know it from the Lord's Prayer. So what does hallowed mean? Well, essentially it just means holy. Holy is your name. It's a term of great reverence and honor, kind of making sure we keep God in his holy place. But here's what I love about it. For us, it's become somewhat common and kind of mechanical as we go through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the version I grew up with in elementary school. I remember that being prayed. But we often recite those words as we recite this prayer. But think about this. This would have shocked the disciples. It would have blown their minds. Jesus was inviting them into a level of intimacy with God that they never would have imagined possible. You see, most people's biggest problem with prayer is God. <laughs> to put it another way, people's biggest problem with prayer is the way they view God. The way we view God affects everything about everything, including the very purpose of our lives. And there's two common struggles with how we view God. 
One is that a lot of people think that God just doesn't like them, that they haven't done enough or that they haven't done it right or that they're not good enough. And even people who've been Jesus followers their whole life, we can fall into this. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Jesus tells us what God's like. In the story of the prodigal son, Jesus tells us that God is like the father, that whenever we approach him or come home to him, that wherever we've been, whatever we've done, he comes running toward us with open arms and his heart full of love. Jesus in the New Testament continually assures us that God is on our side, that God is for us. He is for people. He is for humanity. He is for the renewal and reconciliation and the restoration of all things. Jesus continually reminds us that our identity is that we are dearly loved children of God. So, Don't stress about your prayers or how much time you're spending or the exact words you're using. Keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it up. It's a relationship. St. Augustine has a great line. He says, God's ear hears the heart's voice. So don't worry about the words. Simply open your heart to God. The second common struggle that we... uh, we wrestle with in how we view God is that many of us also fail to fully grasp God's holiness. That hallowed be your name. We fail to grasp the fullness of this. We may have an idea of divine love, but it often lacks divine sovereignty. But those things go hand in hand. This is God who who we get to pray to, who we get to commune with and talk to. As Pete Gregg states, unwittingly, we've unhallowed the Father's name. Back when I was a teenager, I remember these t-shirts that became popular with sayings like, Jesus is my homeboy, or uh, Jesus saves, and he's dressed as a hockey goalie. Now, this was during a time that people were trying to to make the gospel and church seeker-friendly, make Jesus a little bit more accessible. So is it funny, cute, relatable? Sure. Unhallowed? Absolutely. You see, as we take away the godness of God, we're going to struggle with prayer because we'll fail to grasp the mind-blowing privilege it is to simply be in the presence of God. No, Jesus is not simply my homeboy. He is God. And I and you, we are invited into his presence. (laughs) It doesn't take long to scan the narratives of Acts or look at Paul's spontaneous doxologies or even read through the apocalypse of John and Revelation to realize these guys knew how to pray. These guys knew how to worship and how to kneel before God. They understood the fear of the Lord and the reverence that he deserves. But you know what's great? I've learned this over and over again, that as God's children, we ought to know enough to know that we don't know much. That's a bit of a head scratcher there, but as God's children, we ought to know enough to know that we don't know much. Because God is God, and it's okay for us to feel out of control. 
It's okay to trust in things that we don't fully understand. It's sometimes even okay to not be okay. But we have to realize that the God of the cosmos must surely be bigger than our capacity to understand, right? If he's the creator of it all, then why do we think that we should be able to get our heads around all of it? I think sometimes in our wrestling and our strive and our drive for certainty, we miss out on the wonder and the mystery of who God is. But again, Pete Gregg reminds us that it's better to have a little faith in a great, big, unshakable God than a great, big, unshakable faith in a little God. So allow yourself to let go of your desire or your need for certainty and embrace and worship the mystery of who God is. And let's continue to keep God holy. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So then I want to look at tonight how we can rejoice, how we can worship, and possibly some different ways that you've never tried before, you've never experienced, or maybe you've never been given permission to. But let me start by giving it all away. Here's, here's what I want you to, to take with you tonight. Worship how you're wired. That's it. Worship how you're wired, how God made you and designed you, the impulses that are already in your DNA. Do you find that your soul sings and comes alive in silence and solitude? Then carve out some space to get it. Or like I said last week, I have noise canceling headphones because right now my kids are home 24 seven. But do you find that you worship and rejoice when cooking a meal or baking in the kitchen? Well, then get cooking and let your heart sing to God. The vital part of rejoicing is that you worship how you are wired. Not how I think you should, not how someone else thinks you should, but how you are wired. It's similar to the advice I was given about which Bible translation to read. There's many to choose from, and lately I've been reading NLT most often. But you see, my prof once told me that read the one you're actually going to read. In other words, keep it simple. I have a friend who prefers reading the King James Version because he told me he likes having to work hard to understand what it's saying. And for me, I'm like, what? I don't want to have to work hard to understand it. I prefer more of a readable translation that's dynamic and has more of a flow. So worship how you're wired. But I also want to offer you some simple practical ways to worship God this evening and to rejoice that might help you try new things, or even for those times that you simply don't feel like it. So perhaps you've never heard of these things, you haven't tried them before, but I think it's important to learn other ways of worshiping outside of how you've always done it, because there will be times that will come your way where the ways that you've always worshiped aren't going to cut it. And what I mean by this is that there will be times that your suffering and your struggles are simply too great. The upbeat worship music that you'd often listen to just isn't going to cut it. Or if you're from a Christian tradition similar to the one I was raised in and that our church is part of, 
You've probably grown up with more spontaneous and off-the-cuff prayers. They're not scripted and we don't follow a, a regular calendar. But there might be times where that simply feels too risky and too vulnerable for whatever it is your heart is going through. Or perhaps you're living through a global pandemic and how you used to worship alongside other people shoulder to shoulder is no longer possible. Am I right? How then will you worship? So that's where I want to lean in tonight. So my first suggestion to rejoice in prayer is to awake your soul. Wake it up. This is an act of the will. It's not about waiting until you feel like worshiping because let's admit how like who knows how long that could be. Like do you always feel like it? I don't. But it's about learning to worship until your feelings fall into line with the facts. There are going to be days that you just don't feel like it, but that doesn't mean it's not important to pause, to focus on God, and to worship Him for who He is, and have your feelings fall into line with that. I recently saw a video about how we can learn to motivate ourselves, and the advice given, it was quite paradoxical. It was to take one small action, and as you take action, it will motivate you to keep going. So it was saying action results in motivation. But how often do we wait for it to be the other way around? Like, okay, I just simply need to wait to be motivated to do this. No, 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 no. The science is saying start with those small actions. Start with setting aside time for prayer. Start with taking that first step of pausing and rejoicing and your motivation will come. Action produces motivation, not the other way around. So follow the example of King David who commands his sluggish soul to wake up in Psalm 103. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Awake your soul. Another way that we can practice rejoicing in prayer is to pray a psalm. Now, I'm sure many of you have used daily devotionals before. There's books like Jesus Calling, My Utmost for His Highest, or even Our Daily Bread, which our, our church used to give out, uh, the church I grew up at used to give out every month or two. But they're just short devotionals with some scripture to read through each day, and it just helps us focus on Jesus for the day and postures our hearts for worship. But did you know that we actually have this as part of our Bibles? We, we have it built in, so to speak. We have this priceless resource called the Psalms. Even Jesus used and loved the Psalms. These Psalms are about 3,000 years old, many of them written by King David himself, and they're simply prayers. And it's interesting to know that many of these prayers were written for use at different times throughout the day. Psalm 4, in preparing for bed, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 5, for starting the day, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. So if you're struggling to pray or rejoice, why not try praying a psalm? 
When your heart doesn't have the words, let the Psalms speak for you. You could even try praying one in the morning and one in the evening if you want. And as you read them, again, whether silently or out loud, whatever helps speak to your soul, look for a particular phrase or line that resonates with your heart, that jumps out to you, and try and memorize that phrase. And keep it in your heart. Revisit it throughout the day. Allow it to shape you and shape your worship as you rejoice in who God is. The third way of rejoicing in prayer is to worship with Bach, Beyonce, and Bethel. <laughs> now, I'm taking this straight out of Pete Gregg's book. Uh, I'll admit, I'm not a big Beyonce fan myself, but if she's your thing, then go for it. Um, I'll admit that I love the Hamilton musical. Um, there have been many messages that I've written with Hamilton playing in my earbuds, and you may or may not have noticed some of the references snuck in. I've even titled a couple sermons along song lines. But essentially, what this point is, to worship with Bach, Beyonce, and Bethel, is to put on some music. And it can be a wide array of music. It doesn't just have to be this one form. But allow yourself to rejoice and praise God for the gifts of harmonies and melodies that can stir our soul more powerfully than any other external stimuli. Music does this amazing thing to us and within us. And sometimes listening to it during times of prayer, during times of worship, can help you and help your soul come alive. So again, I'm going to admit that music isn't my go-to. My default is silence. I, I love silence. I can't get enough of it. And more often than not, when I'm studying, when I'm writing, I love to have it silent. I was the kid in university who would glare at the other kids who were whispering loudly in the quiet section of the library. I'm like, look at the sign. <laughs> But my wife Amanda, on the other hand, she loves music. We hop in the car and the first thing she goes for is the radio or the, the cord to plug in her iPhone so she can play some music. But what's great is that she's introduced me to some fantastic music that I wouldn't have discovered on my own and worship music. And that when I'm ready for it, my soul too will come alive. So try it out, give it a shot. And remember though, when it comes to worship, Instrumental music has an added advantage because it bypasses the left sides of our brain, which allows our soul to move beyond the constraints of language. So give it a shot, see what resonates with you, see what brings you to life. And a fourth way of rejoicing in prayer is to worship with others. I already said about, yeah, we're going through a global pandemic. We can't really do that right now, but we can't do that in person right now. It doesn't mean we can't worship with others at all or that we can't worship with others at all. What we're doing right now is still coming together for online worship. We come together and worship with others on Saturday evenings. This past Wednesday, several of us gathered for Zoom, on Zoom for prayer at 7.30 in the morning. This too is worshiping with others. And while it's taking more creativity to worship with others in our current season, it's still possible to invite others in. I'm not sure if you've noticed this in the Lord's Prayer, but it's written in the plural form. The very first word is our, our Father in heaven. Not mine, 
not yours, ours. This is a family thing. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we do so in community with others. It's not just a me and Jesus thing. This is a communal thing. This is a family thing. It's not just about us personally and spontaneously, but we're praying it in liturgy and in unison with millions of other Christians gathered around the world today. And we're praying it in communion with the saints going all the way back to those 12 disciples gathered around Jesus as he taught them how to pray. And what I love about this is the reminder that we're not meant to hallow the Father's name alone. This isn't an individual endeavor. This is a communal endeavor. We need one another. I need you. We all need the encouragement, the challenge, the discomfort of active participation in a local worshiping community, even if it's online at the moment. Now, I don't usually harp on this at all, but one thing I'd even encourage is if you watch these services um, or listen to them on podcast and skip over some of the announcements and the worship at the beginning, because let's just get to the meat of it and the message, I would encourage you to go back and to listen to those things, because that's also worship. All of this is worship. And it's a way of being actively involved and in knowing what's going on in the life of the church. You are part of a family. <laughs> Welcome. And the last way that we can learn to rejoice in prayer is to use liturgy. Now, I'm not sure how you were raised, what traditions you're coming from, but liturgy is a much more formal way of worship. You'll find it in other Christian traditions that they follow the, the church calendar, preaching calendars, set prayers from scripture, um, set service elements. And I also mentioned earlier that there might come a time where our tradition of, I'll call it freestyling prayers, our charismatic spontaneity, where it's like, let's just pray and worship and see what comes to mind. It might feel a little too risky for you, for whatever it is you're carrying and going through. And this is where a liturgical form of prayer and worship can be a real benefit. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I, I used to actually look down on liturgical forms of worship. I never understood it. And I grew up in a tradition that didn't follow that. So I looked at it and I just thought, I don't know, it seems impersonal. It seems mechanical, not really heartfelt. But the more I grew in my understanding, the more I realized how every word of every service mattered. Nothing was left to chance. There was great value and significance in all of it. And when you're suffering, when your heart has been beaten up and bruised and your soul is spent, it can be a relief to be told what to say by someone you trust. I remember reading a biography of Dorothy Day who came to faith through the Roman Catholic Church and she too admitted that the prayers in the church often felt rote, mechanical, very repetitive. 
But then she was thrown into prison for standing up for some of the injustices that she saw and protested. And she spoke about how it was through the repetition of those prayers that she had the words to pray to help sustain her during her time in prison. It was through having those words ingrained in her heart and on her mind and in her soul that she had the words to say. Sometimes we need to appreciate a different tradition's predictability and perhaps the sense of being part of something so much bigger than ourselves and much older than us and even the traditions that we're part of. So don't be too quick to write this off, but try using liturgy. I don't believe praying this way or that way is an either or thing. It can be a both and. We can value both set prayers alongside spontaneous approaches. I know people who use set prayers in the morning and evening, but then they have more spontaneous prayers throughout the day. Whatever works. But just remember, even Jesus would have paused three times to recite the Shema. It was a daily prayer ritual, a Jewish custom. It was almost like a pledge of allegiance coming from the Torah, uh, Deuteronomy, and it included some other references from other books. And Jesus would also stop and pray before meals, which we see in the New Testament as well. The book of Psalms was so ingrained in Jesus that he even quoted it from the cross. Sometimes praying beyond just what's on our heart and praying prayers written by others, especially those that are written in the Bible that we have, it enables us to express things that either we find difficult or that we may ignore or simply forget, such as praying for our political leaders. We have to remember that all of this is about growing in our intimacy with Jesus. It's about deepening our relationship with him and avoiding our culture's temptation that tells us that we always have to be doing something new. <laughs> no, we don't. This is about leaning in to Jesus. However you choose to rejoice and worship and pray and let your soul sing, remember to worship how you're wired. Don't carry the shoulds of other people. You should do this and this and this. Affect your intimacy with Christ. Worship how you're wired. Do what you need to do to connect with God. The important thing is that you are connecting with God. Sometimes going through the motions can be the most important thing we do. And I know that seems weird, kind of like that fake it till you make it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying going through the motions, the disciplines, Think of an athlete or a dancer or a musician. Their practice and disciplines are about training the neural pathways. And the same is true for us. Our holy habits, our set prayers, our dedicated times of prayer, our spiritual practices, they all help train our neural pathways to transform us into the likeness of Christ. That's what it's all about. It's to help train us, to help us become more holy and more Christ-like. So this week, let me encourage you to take time to pause and to rejoice. Set aside some dedicated time to pause and rejoice this week. Again, put it in your phone, mark it on your calendar, tell a friend, have something that's gonna hold you accountable. Secondly, 
reflect on this question of how are you naturally wired to worship? What practice that I went through tonight are you willing to try this week? Third, pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9 to 13. There's a document in the description field that will help you do that. Another option is to, to practice praying the Psalms. I'll link another document in the description field as well that you can download the PDF and it will help give you some ideas of how to pray the Psalms. And last but not least, join me again on Zoom Wednesday morning, anytime between 7.30 and 8. You can leave your camera off. You can even leave your, your audio off and just pray along with us or sit there in silence and focus on the wonder of who God is. But again, take time this week to pause and rejoice. And as we learn how to rejoice, we're going to be better prepared for next week as we lean into our third step, which is ask. Because taking time to pause and rejoice creates within us a deep sense of awareness that God is good and that we are loved.